The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have very special guests, plural, we have today a twin screenwriting team. It is Gina and Lisa Gomez. You know them on Twitter as, hang on one second, at Gina Gemini and at Lisa Gemini. They spell Gemini, G-E-M-E-N-I as they later say in the episode. Um, yeah, they're a twin screenwriting team. They've placed top 50 in the nickel. They're readers for the blacklists. They're former musicians. They're still musicians, but um, originally tried to break into entertainment as musicians and later pivoted to screenwriting. Um, and their their pivot into screenwriting is honestly one of the more wild stories that you're ever going to hear about someone when they first tried to break into screenwriting. It was quite the roller coaster, quite the amazing soaring high to a an unexpected low. Um, and I'll let you, I'll let them tell you more about that. But um, they were also finalists in Final Draft's Big Break in 2016. I think they were top five, which is pretty incredible. Um, really nice, really cool. You've probably seen them around on Twitter, interacting with writers and being friendly and yeah, uh, we're going to jump into that soon guys. I did just want to tell you what's going on in my world. I actually just dropped a new short film. It's called CAPTCHA and it's very silly. It's, um, the tagline is a sci-fi thriller horror comedy short film, which I do think that's not a lie. We live up to all of those genres, at least a little bit in the film. Um, the logline for it is when his roommate struggles to complete an internet capture, a paranoid man begins to suspect he may be living with a robot. Um, pretty silly premise. We had a ton of fun making it. It was like basically me, the DP and the gaffer for the crew side. And we had a small cast of three people, the third being our sound guy. Um, and it was his first time ever running sound and his first time ever acting on screen. That's Chris Bauer, our photographer friend, who was an amazing St. Louis photographer. If you're in St. Louis or around and you need any kind of photos or video, hit him up, um, at C Bauer photo on Instagram. Uh, the movie stars Ryan Myers and Larry Clauden. You might remember Larry from Ethan and Edna. If you saw the last film that I made, um, Written and directed by me, produced and DP'd by my friend Zach Zanders, um, who did an incredible job on this. Uh, our gaffer was Brendan Brooks, who also did an incredible job, kind of like the game changer for the look of the movie. Um, our hair and makeup was done by our improv friend, Elena Hootsing. And uh, Ryan Meyer, not the actor in the movie, Ryan Meyer did graphics for this out of Fathom Studios. Uh, post-production sound you may know joe stockton on twitter uh, he's in the screenwriting world he did an amazing job on our post sound and our original score was composed by our friend austin mccutcheon who also scored ethan and edna just wanted to get those credits out there and give a shout out to everyone wor who worked on this film helped bring it to life it was definitely a passion project everyone worked for free um, I ended up spending like 250 bucks for like a few props and just to buy meals and crafty for people. 
Um, and yeah, I think it was just like a, a passion project and we all had fun working on it. And I think you can feel it in the movie. So it's on YouTube and Vimeo captcha. Uh, my YouTube is just Andy Compton. So is my Vimeo. So please go check that out. If you would, I'd really, really appreciate it. And if you do, don't be shy, say something on Instagram or Twitter and tag me. Um, yeah, say something nice about the film. If you hated it, you can say that too. Technically it is a free country. Some people make a good living off of just shitting on movies. Um, and if you're on letterboxd, we're also on letterboxd and I would love if you reviewed it there too. Um, that's it for me guys. You can also watch Ethan and Edna if you want to. Um, but that said, that's all going on in my world. Let's, uh, find out what's going on in Gina and Lisa Gomez's world. Thank you guys. I will talk to you after the episode. Gina and Lisa Gomez, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, and for listeners that don't know, usually I do these things in the daytime. This is a little bit of a later one for me, so I hope I can hang in there. Uh, <laughs> it's it's also like ironically on the I think week and a half mark of me like massively cutting back on caffeine. Like I gave up coffee, no Red Bulls, no nothing. So it's been rough, but also I do kind of feel that natural energy starting to return and being like, oh, I didn't know I still had that in me. <laughs> I thought I had to like artificially give myself that all the time, but a little bit, a little less anxious, a little less panicky. So that's been good, but it's 830 my time. So I'm going to, I think I'll be okay. I'll be good. I'll be good. Uh, it, I don't know when I got so old that I'm like 830. Oh, that's late. But anyway, uh, anyway, how are you two doing? good thanks so much for having us on this yeah. podcast it's an honor yeah mm -hmm. i i love everything you tweet i think <laughs> you are hilarious oh thank um, you so much <laughs> i always think like why like some comedy showrunner please just like read your tweets and then staff you because everything <laughs> you tweet is hilarious sometimes thank it's you so serious. Much. but a lot of it is really funny. yeah <laughs> um, no i'm like one serious tweet like maybe <laughs> every six months or something but yeah no thank you so much and yeah i i second that too i'll be selfish comedy <laughs> comedy showrunners i'm available yeah. <laughs> but so are gina and lisa i'm assuming as well so uh you know staff all of us uh, <laughs> there you go yeah That'll but anyway <laughs> yeah no i really really appreciate that too and i appreciate you two on twitter too like such a positive presence like I think that we've all been around long enough. I kind of started tweeting about screenwriting and in that space, like kind of right when the lockdown happened. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like ever since then, though, I've been seeing you all around and uh, and it's like you can pick out the good, positive influences in the community. And not that there's a lot of bad. There's really not. It's pretty minimal how much actual bad there is. But some of the bad has been extra bad. <laughs> um and i feel like we we've all, all know we all know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah well I, i'm thinking of like five over the, <laughs> over the couple years that i've been around but um and it always breaks the internet for a day or two and it's wild but also like rightfully so like everyone that i've seen that really stirred the pot and like made a big ruckus they had it coming you yeah. know like like with their actions or you know the way they were speaking on there or whatever but anyway, um, you two are not in that camp, and I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I just love bringing people on here who I've seen around Twitter for a long time and are chasing the dream just like the rest of us. So I wanted to get to know you. So I was going to start at the top um, because this is interesting because you're twins and you're a screenwriting duo. Um, 
So how did you two get into screenwriting? Man, this is kind of a weird story. So let's cut to the chase. <laughs> uh, no, you, you can do the long version if you want. I'm here for it. And I'm positive everyone listening is. Inciting incident. All is lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the save the cat breakdown, please. <laughs> so we originally moved out to L.A. to do original music. We've actually been singing professionally since like we were super young. And oh, we cool. like performed our original music like all over Florida, which is where we're from. For us, um, <laughs> what part? What part of Florida? Just curious. <laughs> um, we were it's kind of a weird. We were born in Miami. Then uh -huh. we spent a lot of time in Port St. Lucie, okay. and there's nothing to do there except watch mm -hmm. movies, which I guess worked out for us. Yeah, <laughs> um, because then we just fell in love with watching movies. But yeah, then we went to UCF in Orlando mm -hmm. for college, and we majored in theater. <laughs> <laughs> um so because basically we love to sing that was like always our thing um and then yeah and then in college we did like musical theater even though we were just like theater majors but like we can sing like the musical theater majors but we can't act and dance like the musical theater majors mm, so yeah. we were always cast in the musicals that like you didn't have to dance <laughs> like <laughs> i can say lines better than like someone like off the street that's never acted before but i would not consider myself an actress at all that's um, me too i'm the ex <laughs> that's the perfect way of describing it i can read the lines probably better than a non-movie person <laughs> but right. i'm not an actor <laughs> yeah. yeah that's like yeah. a whole whole craft um oh yeah anyway. for sure yeah so we moved out here back in what like 2012 12, to mm -hmm. do original music we were oh we moved to la i don't know if we said that oh yeah we moved from yeah, yeah, yeah. Orlando to la yeah back in 2012 to pursue music um and i promise this has to deal with us into screenwriting at some uh point no, oh, we're good. Sense. We're good. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we got super burnt out because we just assumed like, oh, let's go to L.A. and then we'll just be successful at music. Um, but it, we had like a decent following in Orlando. And then obviously, like no one knew us out in L.A. So like when we'd perform, we'd perform out here in front of like <laughs> two people or like, mm -hmm. you know, the sound people and like we were basically doing the wrong things because that didn't lead to anything. Like what we should have been doing is doing like online presence stuff and like more YouTube stuff and whatever, mm. but we didn't, it's fine. <laughs> so we got yeah. burnt out on that. And then, <laughs> well, we had some viral videos. I wouldn't say it's that viral, but it was viral at the time. Yeah. Cause uh, I was going to say like, what time period is this? Cause the internet changes like every two, three years. <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah. Like, like 2012 ish. Okay. We had this, um, <laughs> there's this video that we have on YouTube still called Thor's day. And it's a parody of Rebecca Black's Friday. And it's yeah. basically us just being like Loki and Thor, like fangirls. Um, <laughs> and like, obviously our vocals in that video, like aren't good because like, it's hard to have good vocals in that song, yeah. but I'm still really proud of it. And yeah like agent m he's a huge marvel influencer um mm. i don't know if you know him but he yeah he like saw the video put it on like the marvel entertainment youtube channel during geek week 
in 2012 and like tom hiddleston saw the video and like like the thor the dark world like cast and crew saw the video like that wow. was pretty cool and like i had no intention of tom hiddleston ever seeing it because we <laughs> literally just fangirl over him the whole video yeah um, i mean that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty viral too like that's pretty huge um that's Thanks. amazing uh what is your youtube if you want to shout it out you can oh man yeah, yeah. <laughs> um if i remember <laughs> it's it's go ahead <laughs> gemini music 13 so youtube.com slash gemini music 13 except we spell gemini g-e-m-e-n-i okay when awesome we you were looking off screen like you're looking at a note card or something like, g-e-m-e <laughs> i was just trying to like see it in my head like okay yeah. it's been a while since we've talked about our music which is kind of sad but yeah, well, that's awesome because i think most of us i know i do just like from the peripheral of twitter i knew you two were musicians and uh, i wanted to talk about that so anyway continue so that happens i promise this has to deal with screenwriting <laughs> no, no seriously almost, almost people, there <laughs> people are here for the, the whole story trust me like I, I get a lot of compliments that this is the part people like a lot okay right. yeah okay mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, we're huge fan girls and we love like fandom and like, we just love like that community. Sometimes fandom can be toxic, but a lot of the times it could be fun. And like, you know, you just analyze like some show or some book or some movie with like other fans of it. And you just like geek out and like whatever. Yeah. And a so, lot of, actually a lot of our original music is based on fandom. So like besides Thor's day, we had an original song based off the BBC Sherlock. Um, <laughs> back when that was a thing uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're aging ourselves so much I know. Um, yeah so yeah that song was called i owe you a fall um moriarty's like famous like line is like i owe you sherlock anyway <laughs> uh, yeah so well, those... perfect go check it out um at gemini music 13 right yes 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 so that both of those things our obsession with tom hiddleston (laughs) and then the bbc sherlock so it just so happened what year was it like 2014 it just so happened that tom hiddleston was going to be in a play in london um it's a shakespeare play called coriolanus and Mm -hmm. mark gatiss who's who's in the bbc sherlock he's actually one of the showrunners and writers but he's also an actor in it Mm-hmm. He was also going to be in the play. So Gene and I were like, okay, we have to see this. Like, we have to. Like, mm-hmm. we work retail part-time jobs. <laughs> we are broke living in LA, like literally paycheck to paycheck. But yeah. somehow we're going to go see Tom Hiddleston. Like, we in have London. To. In London. We have yeah. to. Yeah. So we did somehow. I mean, we didn't eat for like two weeks afterwards. But like, so we went <laughs> to London um, and saw... Tom Hiddleston and Mark Gatiss and they were amazing and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Now this is the screenwriting part of it. Okay. Um, so again, never, we had never even thought about screenwriting. It was always just like songwriting. We were even performing in London during that trip um, in this bar in the West end, like screenwriting was not in our peripheral at all. Mm-hmm. But during that trip, 
um, we went to the National Gallery, super famous museum in London. It was one of the Sherlock filming locations. So, of course, we were there for that as well. Yeah. But then I noticed that Vincent van Gogh, like they were making a big deal about this Vincent van Gogh like exhibit. Like there was going to be three versions of his sunflower paintings at that museum at the same time. And that hadn't happened in like years or something. And I was freaking out because Vincent van Gogh has like always been my favorite painter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Gina, we're going to see Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers. Like I was freaking out. And it was one of the first things we did on the trip. Yeah. That's how much Mm -hmm. we like prioritized it. Yes. Yeah. So we go in the museum, we see his amazing paintings. It's unbelievable, unreal, Mm -hmm. surreal. Mm -hmm. But then, like, we both noticed that next to Vincent van Gogh's paintings, there is this other painter that, like, painted similar subjects. And it was during the exact same time in the exact same location of Arles, France. And his name is Paul Gauguin. And we're like, huh, I've never heard of Paul Gauguin. This is really interesting that there's, like, paintings of his right next to Vincent's. And, like, did they know each other? Like, we're, we're like, this is interesting. So then we go to, like, the like, I guess, like shop of the Vincent Van Gogh exhibit. Mm-hmm. And Gina picks up this book and she's like reading the back of it and she and her eyes light up and I'm like, okay. And she's like, here, read the back of this book. And I'm like, okay. So it's kind of like a textbook. No, oh my gosh. Oh my God. What if I just spent the next hour just waxing poetic about Save the Cat? Hey, I would be here for it. I would be here for it. I can't. You know, I almost wish it was because that's a better story. Um, Okay, sorry, sorry. That's so funny. I love that. Um, (laughs) So this book is like a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, but it focused on a ver- very specific part of Vincent van Gogh's life. But basically, Vincent van Gogh and Paul Gauguin, that painter that had paintings next to Vincent's in this exhibit, they lived together for like nine weeks. And what started off is them like being best friends and they inspired each other to like paint the same thing. And they were like rooming together, arguing, debating art, all these things. Mm-hmm. It ends with Vincent Van Gogh cutting his ear off. Oh, and yeah. the famous so, story. Yes. Yeah. But, but we didn't know about this. And so Gina, after, you know, I read the back of this book and I'm like, whoa, the first thing that Gina says out of nowhere, it was like a universe, like, I don't know, the universe telling her to say this, but she's like, we should write a script about this. And again, we've never talked about screenwriting ever and I was just like, yeah, we should. And I think this is a geeky thing. It just so happened that the two self-portraits of Vincent and Paul on the book, it looked like Benedict Cumberbatch and Andrew Scott. And like, again, we were in such a Sherlock mode that mm-hmm. like that kind of helped inspire us too. like picturing yeah. them in those roles, which honestly they'd kill. But that's a whole other yeah. story. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is really interesting, though. Yeah. yeah. So we literally the rest of that trip, we we're there for two weeks. So we like bought that textbook. We were reading it and we were like, and we we're going to the places kind of that, not present in that book because that's Southern France. But we also went to Paris and like Vincent van Gogh and Paul Gauguin would sometimes hang out in Paris. So we would like be passing the places they would hang out. Anyway, we became obsessed with this story. So a few years later, like 2015, end of 2015 ish, 
we just started writing a script about it. And I was so inspired by it that I was like, I'm going to start taking classes at like UCLA extension. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, like awesome classes, like, like starting with like, write your first screenplay all the way to like advanced rewriting. Like their classes are amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to start taking classes. Mm-hmm. So I did. And yeah, what was crazy was I won a scholarship to like keep taking classes at UCLA extension until I got a certificate in feature film writing, which is awesome. And I'm super privileged that I got that. But I, so I took like four to five classes within like, I didn't have to do this, but I did this within like six months just because I was like, no, I want to learn as much as I can. So Gina and I can write this. So during me taking those classes, we were just writing. Like Mm -hmm. we had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) Like, like Mm -hmm. obviously, okay. We had read save the cat and like, (laughs) you know, all these things, which save the cat, ironically enough, made me upset because <laughs> the like movie types or the genre types yeah. didn't fit our Van Gogh script. And yeah. again, I, I was a little baby screenwriter. So I was like, I am not reading the rest of this book. Like I was so, <laughs> my ego was so crazy back then. Like when you start out, you kind of have to, you know, be like, oh, I'm going to make it and I'm amazing because then, you know, life treats you unkindly anyway yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah so we wrote the first draft of this vincent van gogh biopic which is like one of the hardest things like any like beginner screenwriters could possibly even think yeah. of writing mm-hmm. um we wrote it in like a month and then we kept rewriting it but like basically we sent what like our second draft to nickel Cause mm-hmm. we were like, let's just go big or go home. Like we had no expectations at all. Like we were just going to submit it. It's fine. Then like we kept getting, I mean, we got into the quarterfinals and the semifinals and then ultimately the top 50. And like, this is our first, it was our second draft of our first script ever. And first and, contest. Like, and yeah. first contest. It was, that was crazy. Like, I don't regret that, but I also feel like that kind of set us up for failure in a lot of ways because like, that's I, almost I can like, see that. Yeah. That, yeah that's almost, a, a quick ascent. And then yeah, it's like, where yeah. do you go from there? Cause you still have a lot to learn. Correct. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. because it was like, Oh yeah, your writing's great. Except when all these agents and managers ask for from it. like, from like CAA, yeah. like the biggest agency, like anonymous biggest you were getting contact. attention from like CAA and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh my because, gosh. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Cause top 50 is what broke me in. But luckily at that point I had written quite a bit. <laughs> So I was like ready for that opportunity, but yeah, I can see if I would have made it right off the hop, I wouldn't have been ready at all. Yeah. And and yeah. obviously we weren't. So like yeah. when these people reached out to us and we sent them our script and again, as you know, I'm sure like mm-hmm. having top agencies and management companies reach out to you to mm-hmm. request your script. That's mm-hmm. like hardly heard of unless you're in the top of contest. Right. I haven't even really had that. Like that CAA thing is crazy. That's yeah. awesome. That's not crazy. And it was yes. like a, a, a female yeah. agent. Like we were so she was Latina. Latina. We were like, we're so excited. Yeah. Crickets from a lot of people. And then the people that did respond back was like, Hey, I liked it, but do you have anything else? And we're mm-hmm. like, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just started. And, like, and, and right. it'd, be, it'd be different if it was like, Oh yeah, we have other stuff, but we're still rewriting it. <laughs> 
or like here are some other log lines like nothing just nothing nothing yeah, at all yeah. obviously you know yeah yeah i mean there's just no way you could have known that that no. was gonna happen i mean that's crazy right. that i mean right. it's also amazing um and i'm sure it was super cool and exciting and fun but um but yeah i guess now that you've been in for a little bit and been doing this for a while <laughs> you can look back on just how insane that is like I cannot believe that that because I thought I had a quick a sense and this is so funny in comparison to your story mine is so low but I wrote my first draft of my first feature I had tried writing wrote a couple failed things but never finished anything truly so the first one I really finished I submitted the first draft of it to screencraft uh drama and I got back my, I got into the quarterfinals and I bought feedback too and got it back. And I got like a 9.6 out of 10. And I was I like, it. I'm like the next great American screenwriter. Like, <laughs> oh my God, like this is insane. And then the very next one, I didn't make the semis and I got like a 5.2 out of 10. And it was like, <laughs> man, this needs so much work and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I always tell that story to writers, especially like newer screenwriters, just to say how truly subjective this all is. That yes. one person thinks you are absolutely amazing and the next person's like, oh, that's just run of the mill, whatever. You know, right. I wish I didn't waste two hours reading that. <laughs> um, but but the nickel top 50 thing and then CAA calling and stuff like that is huge. That's so amazing. OK, so what happens after that? <laughs> like like in the immediate aftermath. So you said it kind of goes crickets and so I'm trying, I'm not trying to be rude, please. Oh, I feel no, like we're, no, we're, no, heal, no. we're healing it's... from this trauma together. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. No, <laughs> okay. it was. <laughs> so very quickly, we won't. Yeah. Very quickly. I'll just describe this really quick. Okay. okay. So before nickel, um, the writer's guild festival had, uh, yeah, the Writers Guild had a festival for like new and emerging writers and there was a pitch competition somehow. And like, again, Lisa and I are so new. Mm -hmm. So somehow, okay, you had to send log lines to the Writers Guild if you wanted to participate in the pitch competition. And then they pick the top 10 the day of the pitch competition. Then you kind of find out as they're calling people's names, if you're even in the top 10. So they call your name and then you have to go up to pitch and you have three minutes to pitch to like a WME agent, um, a co-showrunner of Jessica Jones. And I'm forgetting some, I think, um, someone from, uh, Austin film festival. Oh, yeah, Matt died. Yeah. Who's, Matt died. Uh, who's a manager now. Oh yeah. yeah. I know Matt died. Yeah. I really like yeah. him. I've heard him on yeah. podcasts and stuff. I've like, oh, I'm awesome. not lying. I have like the seed of a panic attack starting just listening to you describe this moment. <laughs> Those pitch fests are so scary. I've never oh, done yeah. one like that in person. Oh. I've only done them over Zoom and they were freaky. It's it's terrifying. And like, and then there's like 500 of like, you're like emerging, like aspiring screenwriters in the audience with you. Like, right. and keep in mind, keep in mind, I forgot what month this was, but mm -hmm. we were, we were even newer then when we got in the top 50 of nickel like, like we hadn't even finished this script yet yeah like wow yeah and so they literally they called up nine people like one by one and you didn't know like so you're just sitting there and we were the last people to be called up 
I was like, that's it. This is how I go. Like, I don't know if my heart is in it. And like, at least, I mean, okay, we haven't done too many Zoom pitches, but like, we totally cheat and like, you know, have notes everywhere. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, know, for sure. Yeah, um, I've done it. The, <laughs> totally. And, yeah. but for this one, we didn't, we couldn't do that. So we had mm-hmm. to kind of memorize a pitch and we practiced the night before, but we're like, there's no way we're going to get picked yeah. in the top 10. It's fine. And then of course we're the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we go up there. That was insane. But everyone loved the pitch. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Well, that's then good. We then we won, which was crazy. Well, but... we, <laughs> but we win a meeting with an agent. Okay. This meeting, we kind of like pushed off until like after the top 50 of Nickel because we kept rewriting it, rewriting it. We're still rewriting that script, by the way. <laughs> Just because yeah. We still have this vision for it. It's obviously not the version that won the top 50 because that was our second draft. Like we wanted yeah. to be what we always envisioned it. Anyway, we have this meeting with this agent. It's two hours of him just being like, what's the title of your script again? How does it end? Um, no, I read it, but like, how does it end? What's the third act? Ugh. Um, you guys aren't going to make it. You're going to move back to Florida. Like, and he knows nothing about us. Like he was just mocking us and like uh, our intelligence for no reason. Just, just one of those like yeah, meetings, yeah. you know? Yeah. But again, yeah. we were so fresh to this that like, that was so disheartening that coupled with like none of the agents and stuff like, you know, reaching back out to us and then one last zinger this this thing and and i i you know this is just from our perspective maybe maybe what i think isn't true i don't oh, know oh, oh uh-huh. i thought you were talking about how we almost got um oh food. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh okay yeah two, yeah don't gloss over things. that let's hear it <laughs> two things really quick this is crazy because i've always wanted to talk about these things but we never have so yeah. like yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, okay. Okay, so this is a social screenwriters podcast exclusive. I need that horn that's like meh, 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 meh. Uh, Absolutely. It's true. Awesome. Cool. There's this screenwriting Facebook group that we okay. were a part of at the time. We're no longer a part of that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know, people would like post about their successes and stuff and like give advice and all this stuff. And so when we got into the semifinals of Nickel, we were like, oh my God, like we just got into the semifinals. This is amazing. There's this one person, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to say their name, um, that kept asking us like, well, what's your script about? What's your script about? What's your script about? And I, and I always just thought it was kind of weird that he asked that, but like, eventually I was just like, oh, it's about this. Like I, I just gave a very simple, like, you know, like log line, like a sentence log line. Sure. He literally combs through all of our social media um, to basically like, there's this one book. I mean, we use multiple books. We use like five books, but there was this one book I posted about on Facebook, like years before when we went to London, mm-hmm. he literally messages Nickel, Paige. Um, I forgot the other one. Some yeah. other screenwriting contest. It was Maybe like, script of Palooza's. Yeah. He literally emailed them being like, oh, hey, Gina and Lisa plagiarized this book, so their script should be disqualified. And um, and, and he only did that. This person only did that because they were in the quarterfinals of Nickel, but they didn't get in the semifinals. Uh So I don't want to say they were jealous, but like, which is dumb because like, hey, dude, like we're all like, if you're a quarterfinalist, that's amazing. Like, 
I'm happy yeah. for you. Like, yeah. just everyone be yeah. happy for each other. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, my top so, fifty year, I, and I'm sure you were too. I was psyched for the finalists. Yeah, like, of course. And yeah. I had been through the contest ringer by that point. I had been submitting for like two and a half years or something. Like submitting a lot, and like you know, quarterfinals here, no, and no uh, placement here, no placement here, no placement here, and then quarterfinalist again, then no play. Like going through it, you know, the way we all do. Um, yeah. But yeah, like. That's that's just such well, I mean, the fact that he reached out to all of those places is literally insane to me. Like it is insane. It's insane. insane. It's, it's insane. And like the good part is we weren't disqualified because all the you know contest people, especially Nickel, they were like, Hey, we don't think this is true, but can you just send us like a list of like the sources that you use for your script? And mm-hmm. we're like, Of course. So we did yeah. that, and then they're like, Cool, you're good. Because you so with nickel and like the different screenwriting contests obviously you can't do an adaptation of a book mm-hmm. but if it's mm-hmm. like more than one source you can write a script on that because you're not just using one source then it's not an adaptation of one book sure. so we were fine but there's always that voice in my head that's like did we not advance because they didn't want to deal with the drama mm-hmm. of like whatever mm-hmm. this person emailing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so then he messages the author of that book and tells him, hey, they plagiarized your book and their script is going all over, which obviously isn't true, but it's going all over Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So this, the, the author of this Van Gogh textbook, his agent emails us being like, hey, from London, being like, hey, so we got this email, like you guys need to send us like your script. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, this guy has reached out to other contests. Like I explained the whole story. I was like, this guy is just like super deranged. Like none of this is true. Like we did use this book as one of the sources, but like mm-hmm. this book is like respectfully like a textbook. There's no dialogue. You know what I mean? Like these are all just true events. Like mm-hmm. this isn't an adaptation of this book. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And and so for two weeks, and because of the time difference, we go back and forth with this literary agent in London and, and they kept asking us to send the script. And I'm like, no, like, and then I, basically like I sent the log line and I'm like, look, even in the log line, there's parts of the story. That's half the story that doesn't even take place in the book. Like, you know what I mean? So like, it's not an adaptation. And so eventually they're like, okay, like best of luck with your script, whatever, but I mean, I couldn't sleep for those two weeks. In my head, I'm like, are we about to get sued by like this literary agent in London for literally no reason but this it, like deranged so, individual? Right. And it's so murky to me though, too, because you're both writing based on true events. You're both <laughs> writing about the life of a real person who lived. Right. Yeah. You're writing their story. So it's like you plagiarize some of his life. I'm plagiarizing a little bit of his life. Like, (laughs) what the fuck, man? Like, but like you're allowed, you're allowed to do it as well. Like, I mean, it's not plagiarism whenever. I mean, I guess you need life rights. And so I don't know how any of that stuff works. I really don't. But, um, but anyway, like, I don't think you're doing the funny part is you're not doing anything different than what they did. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that was traumatizing. Like, I literally couldn't sleep for like Mm -hmm. two weeks. Like, I would like wake up in the middle of the night. Like, that was horrible. Yeah. So, so to summarize, in one year, (laughs) (laughs) we went from never screenwriting to Mm -hmm. having kind of two drafts, sending it out, getting in the semis of Paige, 
and nickel, getting in the top 50 of nickel, winning a pitch competition with that idea. Then having getting uh, reached out to by an agent at CAA. Yes. yes. <laughs> and honestly, big management companies like Bellevue yeah. anonymous content, anonymous content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably circle of confusion too. Um, and then we almost got disqualified in those competitions. A literary agent from London like was threatening to sue us. And then our meeting with the agent, because we won the pitch competition, went terribly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like one so this script, like it's one of the best thing that's things that have ever happened to us. Like in a in a way, like I know this might sound dramatic, but it kind of like saved our lives like we were super depressed that music didn't work out mm -hmm. um and like this script like revitalized us it like mm -hmm. made us like hopeful about like life and like everything again which is way too much pressure to put on one <laughs> script but in general like that's what mm -hmm. it felt like and then all of a sudden all of these just insane things happened and so we like stopped screenwriting for a while for like <laughs> two or three years, you know? Like we still yeah. came up with ideas and like maybe some outlines, maybe started some scripts, but like we were born out. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is quite the tale. Like that is quite the origin story, honestly. That, that I, I really think, and this is no shade to anyone else who's been on the show so far, but that might be the craziest origin story that I've heard so far. Um, maybe another one being Jake Lawler, who um, was a former college football player who was doing really, really well in that. And then now he's like 23 and working on a Disney Plus show as his pivot career. Wow. Uh, this dude is just crushing it. He's also one of the nicest guys ever. So I'm super happy for him. But like he has a wild story, but your story is like just the the catapulting, you know, up into the stratosphere. And then just coming back to earth with like this knowledge of like I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Um I've told this story before, but like I heard and I'm also like, I hope that like we're all friends here, right? I'm not like like you know, pouring salt in a wound. Oh no, no, oh, no. It's, everything you're saying is true. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I heard this podcast once with this filmmaker who made a short film and I went and watched it. It's a short sci-fi movie and, uh, it was like 20 minutes, really, really well made. And, um, and it got him tons of attention, but he raised like, it costs like $70,000 a short, which honestly is probably not the smartest move, even though this did get him some places. Um, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. That's like kind of absurd. 70 grand for a short film. Just go make a feature. Yeah. But um, but uh, anyway, it got him meetings with like Bad Robot. And, you know, he's here and there and all the biggest studios in Hollywood getting meetings. And they're like, what else do you have? Like, is there a feature script? You know, do you have other ideas, anything? And that was it. That's all he had. And so he went on his water bottle tour and then it ended. And this podcast was recorded five years after the fact. And he was like, I'm right where I started still. And like, so it just goes to show, like, I mean, it, it, those those stories are crazy how you can ascend and then come back to earth and be like, oh, shit, now I have to, like, do all the hard work. And I don't mm -hmm. know if he was a complete newbie the way that you two were whenever you started, because that's like really unique about you two is like you had just started because we all know anyone listening. We all know that this is a craft. 
and yeah. you don't get good at it overnight. You don't get good at it in the first year. You yeah. know, it takes a long time. It, it takes a lot of trial and error. You're going to write some bad scripts and, you know, uh, you're going to write bad scripts that later turn into good scripts when you get better at writing and you go back right. and revisit them. But like, um, anyway, that's just a really wild story. Um, <laughs> and I, I really loved hearing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> Okay, so now we know your origin story and we know what brought you here. So hang on, actually, one more thing. When did you start really getting back into writing again and being like, let's let's continue this path? Probably 2020. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, what a time to start. You know, we all had a lot of downtime in 2020 for a minute there. Well, it's what's funny about that is that Oh, I'm not going to get into certain things. Um, but in 2019, <laughs> let's just say I had some job in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I was like emotionally, verbally, mentally abused by my, by my boss. Mm-hmm. He fired me. I sued them. I won a settlement. But I still see this company's name all over Twitter, everywhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, yeah, wow. 2019 was a terrible year for me mm-hmm. um, mentally. And then so 2020 started and I just got a new job. Um, <laughs> I, after being after getting fired, suing these people, getting a settlement, being unemployed. <laughs> then I got a new job at this very start of 2020. And I was going to be an administrative assistant for a medical office. Um, and I'm like, this is so great. Like I have a full-time job. I'm so excited. And then (laughs) March came. Yeah. And my first day was the, for some reason we started on a Saturday for some reason, like my Mm -hmm. training Mm -hmm. was the day (laughs) LA shut down, um, for lockdown. No way. Mm -hmm. Your first day. My but, first but day. still had to go in. But I still had to go in. And of the course. craziest part was is that like none of us were all in like a small room and none of us were wearing masks because that wasn't the like the guidelines protocol. back then. That wasn't the protocol. So like it was we all day one. Gotten, right. We all could have yeah. gotten each other sick and like yeah. we didn't know. A quiet place day one. Isn't that what <laughs> yeah, the new sequel <laughs> is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I so I was basically um where I worked eventually uh we we did covid testing so i'm not going to be like dramatic and necessarily say that i was on the front lines but i mean i had to wear you know like a shield and like i i would be in close contact with covid patients yeah. i mean at that least sounds like pretty front lines to me yeah anything in the medical industry at that time yeah yeah wow <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah um so we got back into screenwriting at, in 2020, but I mean, I could hardly focus on anything else other than the thought of, am is this the day that I'm going to get COVID and then give it to my sister when I go home? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tough because so between 2018 and 2020, like we were still trying. So like, you know, we, we had like, we're part of writers groups. We kind of started mm. our own and like we went to a co-working space and like met other writers. Like we were, we were trying, man. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. to 
still be in it. So it's not like we're completely out of the world. Like, you know, we're still tweeting about it, meeting other screenwriters on Twitter and in real life and stuff. But very, very sad, depressed screenwriters in those years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, I would say 2020, we kind of got back into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably towards the end of 2020, really. Um, And then we got a manager. That's a yeah, yeah, we don't have to get into that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you, yeah, probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but say, and I won't, you know, I won't say any names or anything. Let's just say yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. the best experience. Um, we did yeah. write a lot, which was mm-hmm. good for us, and we got mm-hmm. good notes, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would say, ironically enough, 2021 and this year, I would say, and like. Last year. Oh my God. See, like my brain. Yeah. I would say like really 2021 until now, that was kind of like our resurgence into writing again and like actually having like an active mind of like, okay, this is what we're writing. These are our screenwriting goals. These are the kind of shows that we would like want to be on Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So are you, and we're going to talk about your actual writing process in a second, but are you more feature focused or TV focused right now or both? Cause I know Starry oh. Night was obviously a feature. Yeah. So yeah, when we, and again, I will, this is all positive. Um, yes. When we got our manager, <laughs> they were very um, intent on us also trying for TV, which was, which was cool. Cause we were like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of the jobs are in TV. We love TV. It's just that like features was like, that's our bread and butter. Like Me I too. Could, yeah. Like I, and, and I'm not like trying to like brag. This isn't something to brag about because every feature writer thinks like this, but like mm-hmm. I could do a class right now. I'm like, okay, these are the Blake Snyder uh, beats. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah. this is how you do it well. And um, you know, whatever. Um, but no, totally. Know. I'm the same way. Like, I I feel like at this point, like I could, if it was very newbie writers, I have knowledge to offer them for sure about features. TV's a little murky. I mean, you're, you're kind of always writing without an ending in mind, you know, like you don't. And I I like bringing stories all the way home. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, how do you come up with a pilot idea that sets up the whole rest of the first season, but also sets up the whole rest of the show. Mm-hmm. You have to set up, you have to set up like the protagonist's flaw and what mm-hmm. they want and a goal for the pilot and a goal for the whole series. And it mm-hmm. and that's just one character. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's it's a lot. You and when you world. and when you see TV shows that are really good, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is amazing. This yeah. is incredible yeah. writing, like writing at the highest level, but that's also why they have, you know. 5, 10, 15 writers in a room who are all great uh, doing it together. That's the other thing. They expect us, like the industry expects us who don't have 15 other writers to like come up with this whole thing for free. It's just, it's a whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're just bitter feature writers on this podcast. That's all we are. (laughs) Yeah, like I just, it's just, I don't know. It's it's funner and it's easier that being said, I think yeah. like since our manager kind of like lit that fire under us to like 
he's like okay i want to like submit you guys for like tv stuff we were like okay you know what yeah let's do it so we took it upon ourselves which is hard and we're still learning to like really become like students of the craft of tv writing because i feel like we had like a semi-decent grasp on feature writing and then we're like no let's let's like watch tv pilots let's outline them let's read like tv writing books let's, let's like take classes yes mm-hmm. yeah. and, and and again we're still learning like tv is so hard like it is the the different acts and like i don't know it's yeah um so i would say we're we're definitely feature and tv writers i think mm-hmm. i think we're finally hopefully getting our pilot scripts like up to the level that we want them to be so mm-hmm. yeah feature yeah, and that's yeah I'm, i can relate big time i have one pilot but haven't really done a lot with it and all i want to do is write features i want to make movies I mean, do it so, yeah do just it. do yeah. it like, I, my manager is very cool about it he like cool. hasn't really pressured me much he's just like you know do what you and honestly he's given me ideas about like where I could take my writing and my new ideas and things like that. But I do feel lucky for the most part. He's like, but also like do your own thing. Cause like you got to this point doing that. And I think that that's really cool advice. Um, that's awesome. So let's, uh, let's move forward. All that was the first question. By the way. <laughs> oh, uh, let's, uh, how would you describe your brand? Yeah. I feel like this is something that we could probably work on. Mm-hmm. Like, hold on. I know we'll get to it, but like pitching ourselves or like, I don't know, kind of putting it out there on Twitter. Cause I don't know if a lot of people, people like know. even know what our brand is. Yeah. But I feel like definitely, um, biopics and adaptations hundred mm-hmm. percent. And like, if anyone ever needed that, which is really just production companies and <laughs> yeah. And they're mm-hmm. impossible to get a hold of. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyone mm-hmm. ever need a biopic? We're your people. Yeah. I think we're, mm-hmm really good at finding the structure in a real life story because like so in other words like finding that balance between respecting what actually happened but also putting in things that theoretically could have happened to make it as dramatic and interesting and cinematic as possible because a lot of biopics no shade but a lot of them like make up stuff that definitely didn't happen and that's fine it's fake you know but it's such a pet peeve of ours because we're like, oh, that's cheating. Like you could have written something that could have happened instead of just making it up completely and kind of ruining the integrity. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we're just very like sticklers for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, love biopics. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And one of our TV pilots is a Sherlockian adaptation, but it features like two um, female identifying characters. Actually, one of them is like, trans but mm-hmm. um but yeah we love um adapting stuff too and just mm-hmm. kind of making it our own as well but it, that's that's still tough because you still have to play in the world of it and still be true to the world and make stuff up but yeah we just have a lot of experience with doing that so definitely those two things so yeah, yeah. so biopics adaptations drama um yeah and i think honestly like mystery mm-hmm. thriller i, I know yeah. like that's kind of not biopics and adaptations but um like our Sherlock- sherlockian <laughs> our sherlockian <laughs> pilot yeah. is you know like a murder mystery and then yeah. we recently wrote a horror feature that 
is a slasher. That's a murder mystery. Um, yeah, I think we've become really, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I normally don't brag, but I think we have become really efficient at figuring out a mystery, working from it backwards to like make it not that obvious, but like you put little like clues in and like, yeah. But I would say our brand is, is <laughs> we, I mean, we definitely write about outcasts a lot. Mm-hmm. We definitely write about like marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just like having queer people in everyday situations, but also fantastical situations in the past and present tense. Love and it. That's of- cool. Yeah, and kind of showing that, like, queer people have always existed. So, like, our Van Gogh biopic, like, him and Paul Gauguin kind of had a thing, and a lot of historians say they did, and no one's brave enough to make it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why mm. we also wanted to write it, because we're like, oh, I mean, look at all of this here that no one else is going to yeah. write about in a Van Gogh biopic. Like, they were obviously in love. Like They literally 100. lived in the same house for nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul was married, but he's like, I'm just gonna leave my wife to do this. It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's like, um, like those memes that you see about like a uh, <laughs> historical like lesbian woman, and like they were such good friends, weren't they? They were really good friends. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, but that's a really interesting aspect of his life, and I think that speaks to your talent of looking at the life of a real person and plucking out something that's like, Oh, that is really interesting. And I don't think it's been done. Um, I, I have no experience in bio biopics. I have no zero experience in adaptation. So that's really interesting. Um, hearing your perspective on that. And I'm sure that people who are into adaptations are listening and taking notes, but, um, but that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, so moving on to like your actual writing process, um, since everyone's routine is unique, can you kind of describe your regular writing routine? Like when it's time to sit down and get some pages done or just work on an idea. And it's really interesting with writing duos. Um, so how do you two attack that? I think um, we're each other's gift and curse. <laughs> Cause I feel <laughs> like um, because we have someone else, we bounce ideas off of each other, which is amazing. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I'm super but... jealous of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I you do it. Yeah, I don't know. Every don't solo know. writer is crazy jealous of that. I don't know how you guys do it. Like kudos to yeah. you guys. Because, I would have quit like a hundred percent. Like I could yeah. not do that. Like yeah, we have friends that we annoy. I think I can speak for everyone. <laughs> That's what I do. Like, uh, especially some certain writer friends, Gabe Braxton, who was episode number one. Shout out to you. I'm sorry that I annoy you all the time. Feel free <laughs> to annoy me with your ideas. But um, but yeah, like anyway. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, you get to bounce ideas off each other, which is amazing. But then I feel like because of that, it's just sometimes hard to I don't know, like like we can do that forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and And sometimes that's good. Because then it kind of like weeds out the bad ideas and then we choose the good ideas. But then sometimes it's like we outline for like three months, <laughs> like no matter mm-hmm. what it is. If it's like, I mean, a half hour, that's probably like a month. But if it's like a feature or like a pilot, it's like it just it takes us for some reason so long to outline. But I think basically what our process is, if it's like if I had to say it now, as opposed to like what it was like five years ago, but what it is now is 
we come up with something because we have something to say. That's like the, probably the most important thing. Um, if not that we have an idea, let's say of like, okay, here's like a plot of something, some, some character in some situation that we haven't seen before that we would love to see on like TV or a movie screen. And then we like, think about it. And unless it has something to say, that's like important to us. If it doesn't, we don't do it, but that's also how we write. I would say that's also our brand is that like, it just has to be something vital, something important about human nature or something. I mean, that's everyone's brand, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So we start with that and then we come up with a log line for sure. Like, mm. I feel like if we don't have a log line, we don't have something. And that's such yes. a stereotypical thing to say but it's so true because like if you don't know the mm -hmm. obstacle mm -hmm. if you don't know the like the theme or, or like the who goal. the main character is or the goal like yeah. honestly you don't have a story yeah that's yeah no yeah. you you too i think i want to say you're the first ones to come on and like me you like to do a log line first I like wow, to do that that's... just because it's like one side. No, no one does this. Like a lot of people really? think it's crazy, but also, you know how like it's popular among writers to hate log lines. <laughs> oh, so, I hate log lines. <laughs> me too. I... Me too. But I, I've grown to love them yeah. for the reason that you described is that I like to know who is my protagonist? What obstacle are they up against? What do they stand to lose if they don't get it? And like, what is pushing back on them or whatever, you know, the log line yeah. formula, however you want to word it. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I like to know those basic things and that's going to change once I dig into right. really outlining and stuff, but I just need to have a general idea of what is this idea. And I kind of can tell from a log line before I dig into outlining and all that, like, is this viable? Like the, exactly. is this like captivating or whatever? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Okay, cool. So log line first. And then, yeah. um, oh, and also like when you write, are you like at home writing? Um, do you guys like to go somewhere? Um, we, do, <laughs> we do, we, we had this writing space called hatchery. It was called mm -hmm. the hatchery press and it was on Larchmont Boulevard. And mm -hmm. it was like just a space for writers. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. We met so many amazing people there. It was like just such a cozy, like writing space, but we used to go there all the time. It closed because of the pandemic, like, but oh. the finances, it's horrible. Like, oh. terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say like when we're actually working on the, the development part of it, like I would say like the log line and figuring out the theme and figuring out like the basic beats and that stuff. I feel like we work more from home just because we have to talk. Like mm -hmm. sometimes we go out somewhere to like a coffee shop, but if it's like really loud, I'm like, Hey Gina, <laughs> what do you think about the inciting incident? And like that's not fun. <laughs> like no yeah, yeah, one yeah. wants to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine um, in LA it's even oh, more so. Than, no, yeah. but like everyone, but the funny part is though, like every time we do go to a coffee place, that's all anybody is talking about. And like, yeah. and, but I get annoyed. So I'm like, I don't want to be that person to other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so we're doing like the log line then we do like the basic beats and, and i do make fun of save the cat but honestly like every single time we use those beats like not to a t of like okay from this page to this page this mm -hmm. is this but like the general like 
overview of that, at least for, for features, even though there is the save the cat for TV, which we also use for yeah. our pilots. But yeah, so we do that. Then we kind of like fill it in and then we start doing like, okay, so if this person does this, what happens, then it leads to this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it takes forever for us to outline like weeks, yeah. sometimes months. It's torturous because how we work, which is really weird is we do plot first and then story, which is mm-hmm. so weird because everyone, think- everyone always says, and this is true that like character informs plot, but mm-hmm. I don't know why our brains, like, we have to do plot first. I, I don't know why. My guess, which could be wrong completely, is that, like, character and story come so easy to us. Like, that's the easy part, even though it's really hard. But that's yeah. the easy part for us. Whereas, like, plot, since that's harder for us, it's better if we do it first, because then the rest of the outlining will be easier I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. for example, like our recent horror feature, like we had to come up with like a murder mystery and like the different like clues, maybe that the killer leaves behind or doesn't leave behind. And like what the main characters figure out after each murder and how it leads to the next scene and the next scene. And like, that was really hard to do, mm-hmm. but yeah, but we came up with plot first. And then after we did that, then we were like, okay, so what's the main character's journey? What's her arc? What does she learn? Yeah, it's it's weird how we do it. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Well, and uh, everyone's different too. That's the thing. Like I I like can hear it too. Like as you're talking, you're just like me. Like sometimes I'm describing my process and I'm tripping myself up and being like, yeah. wait, what do I even do? Why do I? <laughs> no sense uh but like and that's how we all are though like i i've i've done this i think you all are episode 25 so uh 24 different people oh thank you i've heard uh kind of do that same thing of like you know like we i think as writers we just start sort of talking in circles about like (laughs) our process because we're just like i'm trying to rationalize this thing that's actually super chaotic um and i think it's allowed to be though so like uh if anything not only is it interesting to hear everyone's process and the way they go about it but it's also kind of just like comforting to hear other writers talk like insane people (laughs) about their process and being like oh okay so i am a writer like not just me Um, (laughs) yeah me too um okay so we kind of covered a couple questions there so let me um Go here. So, but you do do log line and then you jump into some outlining uh, and then you go into pages. Like, are you like a head, are you heavy outliners or do you like to do a light outline? And yeah, you know, what's weird. We don't do like treatments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I actually think I don't either. I kind of want to try one though, because I'm interested what that would do. But I also think I would spend like two months doing that, like obsessively. And I don't know if that's, a good thing for me personally, like for people yeah. that it works, that's amazing. But like, yeah. for some reason, like if, if I did a treatment, I know for a fact that whatever the pages would be would already be different. Yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. I would spend like two months on that treatment and then the pages would be like, not that. And then it's like, Oh, now I have to spend another two months editing now this. And like, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say like our outlines, let's say for like a feature is probably like, five six pages mm-hmm. but it's really not that like if that yeah, yeah. Like, honestly I, I'm, because, I'm the same yeah 
Yeah, because yeah, like we know, like between like four and six pages. I'm yeah. doing a new thing now where I'm really like again using the save the cat beat sheet, which yeah. also I'll I'll make clear, I'll make an announcement <laughs> on this podcast. My my um my fandom of Save the Cat, because you brought up the specific of like the genres and things like that. I'm not a massive fan of that stuff. It's whatever, whatever. I think if you're just starting, those genre tropes can be really helpful. Um, I think a lot of that book is just taking a brand new writer and making them focus on certain tried and true areas of screenwriting and film and TV. But um, but for me, my biggest thing that when I'm when I'm like praising Save the Cat on Twitter and stuff, which they still haven't paid me for, um, <laughs> I would love for them to do that at some point. But um, I feel like I've made them a bunch of money. But uh, but it's mostly about the beat sheet, mm-hmm. you know, just because like I had tried to write this same feature three times before um, I got to a film class and I tried, I'd get to like page 40, just winging it. I didn't know how to outline. I didn't understand any of that. So I'd write to like page 30 or 40 and then I'd always hit a wall and be like, where do I go from here? What Like not enough is even happening. What am I doing? These are my first attempts at screenwriting. And I did that like three times, but then I got to film school and got into a class where they literally just showed us Save the Cat. And I was like, oh, these are like, this is how most movies go, you know, like inciting incident, you know, act now we're in a new world in act two and then something big happens. And now they're uh, at the lowest point of their life. And then they find the strength. We got to continue the journey and act three, all that stuff. I never knew about that. And once I got that in my hands, it made me able to write and finish features. But um, I've gotten to a point now where I use a few of those Save the Cat beats. Like, I like to know my inciting incident. I like to know my break into act two. I like to know my midpoint. I like to know my all is lost. And then I can know the break into three or I won't. But uh, I like to know the ending. And so I just do those. And then I like to go in there and just wing it. Because I feel like I'm the most creative when I'm just in the world typing away and I'm like, oh, shit, what if this happened? And I don't think if I wasn't on that logic train of actually writing the pages, if I was just outlining or like doing a treatment, I know from experience, actually, because I did try that for a while, um, that my brain doesn't go to the places it goes when I'm just in there writing pages. That's when like I just have these like tangential thought trains that I'm like, oh, fuck that would be crazy if that happened. And then I write, and that's when I come up with the best stuff. Um, So uh, I think some of it for me is just needing to live in the world. And it sounds like sort of that's where you're at too, with like not over outlining. Cause it's like, you don't really know your story and your characters enough yet to do it all up front. Now, if you're doing it professionally and they want a treatment, I will do a treatment, like, you know, pay me whatever and we can get started. (laughs) Don't pay me. That's a Hollywood classic. Don't even pay me for it. I'll still do it. I'm pathetic. I hate myself, Uh, but no, uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, Just wanted to spit that out about save the cat. So, (laughs) you do some outlining a little bit of a treatment maybe five to six pages and then you're into pages um on average how long does it take for a first draft to be complete let's say a feature like from having the idea to Mm. typing the end you know it sucks it sucks Mm. for us it's actually a good thing last year in october i took a horror lab um stage 32 was putting it on Uh and you basically had to come up with a horror idea 
and then have it completed in like a month. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I mean, the teacher was great. And like, we did exactly what we're talking about, like mm-hmm. log line. Um, he actually asked for like a summary and then an outline. And then we did pages and like, we were able to do it in a month. Mm-hmm. And wow. it sucks. It sucks. Cause now what excuse do we have? <laughs> yeah. Now that you've done it before. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like writing the first draft is probably the fastest part for us still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. So yeah. That, but uh, like... I, I think that's healthy to get it out quick and then refine, refine, refine. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm a super slow first draft writer. And I think I get a more polished first draft in the end, but it is torturous that like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, like for me, I have a new idea. I'm going to start outlining a bit and then do pages. If I'm really, really focused on that project, it's three to four months for me to get a first draft out. But then it's it's a decent draft that like I'm comfortable showing people all that. But, That's cool. Yeah, I yeah. wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it hasn't happened in a while. I haven't produced something new in a while. I'm, wor- I'm working on it. Uh, okay, cool. But, uh, but it can be anywhere for like a month to what, maybe two, two. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, when we're in the zone though, like I would probably, yeah. From, okay. From initial idea to the end of the first draft, like two months. Okay. But I would say like writing like the actual pages of it, probably mm-hmm. like a month or less honestly like we yeah. write obviously we're super lucky because we have half the work in a way yeah um but yeah we do it so, pretty fast also how do you do that do you sit down and write together every time or do you divvy out pages yeah we um <laughs> this is always a fun time because we mm-hmm. go through the outline and we literally like decide like okay I write this scene, you write this scene. I write this scene, you write this scene. Sometimes we argue like, no, I want to write that scene, yeah. but uh-huh. rarely. Yeah, I feel like we we both know each other's strengths. So like, okay, for example, mm-hmm. Gina, in my opinion, is so good at description. So mm-hmm. if I know that it's like kind of like a more description heavy scene, mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, Gina, you're going to do that scene because I know mm-hmm. like, She'll yeah. just be able to do it. And like, I, I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what my strengths are, but I guess like for me, maybe it's easier to do dialogue. So like, if it's mm-hmm. more of like, just like a dialogue ish scene, I'll usually do it, but it's weird. Like when we're going through the outline, it's not like, we're like, okay, this scene is going to be a more dialogue heavy scene. So I'll do it. It's almost like we just yeah. instinctively know like, yeah. okay. Yeah. So we literally yeah like you said divvy it up and but most times um we do go through final draft and like do that collaboration where we're like writing in the same document at the same time which is cool sometimes we don't and that's really annoying because we have to make sure we have the right draft (laughs) and we're adding to the right draft so that's we need to figure out a better system for that but yeah Yeah, that's interesting. So then, and it really works out that you kind of each have the specific skill set that goes into a script, like description and dialogue is pretty much it. Um, So that's like, you know, uh, works out well, but then do you, so what is it like, you know, you go write your scenes, do you sit down together for rewrites? No, we kind of, 
I think like we sometimes let's say if there's a scene that I have most likely I'm going to rewrite my own scene and Mm -hmm. vice versa with Gina. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we switch where I rewrite Gina's or Gina rewrites mine, but for the most part, we rewrite our own scenes. And what's, what's wild about us is that like, when someone reads our script, they can't tell it's written by two people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's it's literally like to them, it's like seamless, which is really interesting because we don't go through and like, oh, I'm gonna like rewrite Gina's description so it sounds more like my voice, and then Gina's gonna rewrite my di- dialogue to make it sound more like her. Like, no, yeah. we literally yeah. even to the point when we kind of first started, one of Lisa's friends was like, So Lisa, like, do you really write the script? And then Gina kind of helps sometimes. And Lisa's like, mm-hmm. No, no, we literally both like I wrote this yeah. scene and she wrote that one. And they're like, What? Like, I yeah. thought it sounds like the same person, which I don't know how we did that. Like we're super lucky. We're twins. We're twins. I, I was going to say, like <laughs> I, I've known a few sets of twins in my life and there is always a strange like synergy, like a, a twin thing going on. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, okay. So once the first draft is complete, what's the first thing that you like to do? You send it to some friends. Do you enter it in the nickel? Um, to you or some other contest uh do you do like i i know that you read for the blacklist do you ever submit to like you know the blacklist or one of those script services um what's the first thing you like to do we're crazy and Uh we don't like sending our stuff out because we think we suck Uh um that's all of us (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah, we're all crazy but we're really bad yeah we're so bad it might have to do with trauma too about like (laughs) how we put our log line up and then you know almost got disqualified from competitions and almost got sued or whatever it could be that yeah that little Uh, bump in the road yeah yeah Yeah. but honestly we like to do at least a second draft before sending it out to like peers to like give us notes yeah that's actually what we're doing right now and oh the nice notes, the notes that we have for our horror feature which is good but it's mm-hmm. like eight pages and it's like like page notes you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like five different notes for like page one like five mm-hmm. notes for page two like it is yeah. so obnoxious but i know that it's it's gonna help it to get it to that next level it's just gonna rewriting and us <laughs> we're good at it mm-hmm. but we can make whatever we have better Mm-hmm. It's just that we're so attention to detail that mm-hmm. it that's actually what takes us a little bit longer. Granted, mm-hmm. if someone paid us, we'll rewrite whatever anyone wants as fast as humanly possible. Sure. But it's just like having to do that, you know, with like a full time job and having yeah. a life which consists of uh watching basketball games on TV and going to the movies and reading oh. um, <laughs> it's not a life at all but yeah, like I, I would know. argue it is I would argue I'm, I'm pretty much the same but with me it's hockey but I do like oh, basketball that's cool. nice. yeah, yeah. That's, awesome. that's funny uh, but yeah rewriting just it's just so 
it's so tedious for us to just sit there and look at the eight pages of it's, notes it's, that we have. It's weird because mm-hmm. when we used to be, well, we're still songwriters. I'm going to say we're still yes. songwriters. Yeah. When, we, when we write songs, um, whenever we wrote the first draft of a song, we could not change it. We yeah. could not change a word. It would just feel off. It would feel wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember taking songwriting classes and so many people are like, yeah, so yeah, now just rewrite the song. And I'm like, no. And of course, eventually like we would, but that's kind of how I feel. Not about our first drafts because I know they're terrible, but <laughs> um, it's hard for us to rewrite, I guess. And I not because we don't know what to rewrite. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. we know because we've both been like professional script readers for like i mean since like 2015 like even before yeah. we started writing i was a script reader for like this one literary agency and like yeah like so we know exactly what's wrong with it and we yeah. write down all the notes it's just like going through it i i think maybe because we're two people this this is where the curse part comes into it oh. because we're two people <laughs> it's harder to like just go through the list and be like, okay, so what am I going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Like, are, are, am I going to just go through and take out the orphans in this pass? Are you going to do a dialogue pass? Am I, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm-hmm. harder to like delegate that. If I was just one mm-hmm. person rewriting, I would just go down the list myself and like be like, okay, I know I've done this. So now I need to do this. But like with us, I don't know. My brain just can't process that. Yeah. And I'm sure every writer feels like, oh, if I edit this, it's going to make the script terrible. It's going to be all my fault. Mm-hmm. It used to be okay. And now it's the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm in the midst of that right now on a rewrite <laughs> that um, I had. I've been very lucky to have some people come aboard it, but there's been three different people to come aboard at different times. And each one of them has wanted a rewrite and given me, you know, their list of notes that they would want to see. And I have to go in and do it. So I'm on the final one right now and um and it's big. It's a big rewrite. It, it's like a lot is changing. And um yeah, it's so it's just like it's such a headache to track those things, but then after if you've lived with a script for like 3 years and done like multiple iterations of it like it just gets to the point where right now I'm really just pushing through it and I I love this script and I can't wait to see if it hopefully gets made someday. But the thing is like at this point i've lived with it so long it doesn't even feel like a story to me anymore all i see is the <laughs> mechanics of it and it just looks like words on a page um you know the people don't feel like people anymore the characters so <laughs> it's just driving me nuts but like i totally relate to that like yeah it's rewriting is so much harder and i could see how it would be tougher with two minds like it, there, there's the benefits of having two minds going and then that's the harder part yeah yeah Definitely. I basically just relayed what you already said to you. So. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but yeah. Okay, cool. So um, like to get a second draft done and then um, get some notes on it. Um, do you do contests still? We haven't since we had our manager, but now that we oh, yeah. don't, um, I mean, Might we're going to be, field. we're going to be those 2016 naive <laughs> baby screenwriters in the sense of we're gonna enter everything okay within reason not everything Mm -hmm. but like anything and everything because the scripts that we're gonna enter never were submitted to contests and like Mm -hmm. no one around the town has read them so 
I really just want to see like, okay, like what do people think about it? Like what would industry people think about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And luckily okay, since, cool. we've, since we've been through the competition route kind of a little bit before, we mm. know that it's not the end all be all. We won't yeah. get, okay. We'll get sad for like a night <laughs> and then the next day be like, we also know it's subjective or it really yep. is terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, we won't take it personally because we've been there. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. That's, that's where our little baby screenwriter mind in 2016, that's what's different now is that we're going to submit to everything. And when we get rejected, that's okay. It's just more of like, okay, this is a deadline to get another draft of it done. Let's yep. submit it. Yep. Yeah. It's so hard in the beginning to get rejected. It hurts oh, so bad. It sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when I got that like 5.2 or whatever, the follow up to my really high score, I like felt sick. I felt yeah. like I was going to throw up. I was like, I, I felt so like I was having biological reactions to yeah. that news that email that i got because i was also so excited and so thinking that i really had it and um you know it's also learning in the beginning again like uh for newer writers out there going through that now like it's not it, you know it's saying something about the script about what that person thought but yeah. um keep going don't take it yes. to heart especially yeah. like don't let one opinion or even two, three, four, five opinions drive you away from the thing that you want to do. If you yes. want to do it, fucking do it. Yeah. Um, seriously, like you have to. Like you were talking yes. about being uh, you know, musicians before and then like being like having to accept like, okay, maybe this isn't working out and we want to pivot and do something new. I had the same exact route. Like I was trying to be a musician for many years. I played music since I was a kid, but then like in my early 20s i was really chasing the dream again really wanting to make something happen and it just wasn't going to work out for me i've accepted that now um and it's okay but then like i ended up a couple years later finding writing and it was like oh this is the thing that i'm like pretty good at like i, I can admit that i'm pretty good at this like i had friends who you know before like i would play guitar a lot and um have a friend who's just like a virtuoso you know, and I'd be like, man, what? I wish I could do that. But when I found writing, it really felt like that was like, oh, finally, I have my thing, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it was a special feeling. So like, but I can relate to that of like, um, it's just funny that we had a similar path in yeah. that sense, like very similar, but I was, I'm hey. not a singer. I never will be. Hey, do you want to play guitar on some new songs that we're going to write? <laughs> oh, Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that good, but, uh, maybe I, I play drums too. So. Oh, cool. uh, let's collab let's collab <laughs> um for sure okay so uh you you said earlier that you just got off work are you guys comfortable sharing what your day job is sure not like okay. what the title and yeah. company you don't be as vague but. as you want yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah i promise we're still not traumatized by sharing our log line it's fine yeah by yeah, people yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. through our social media and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when we first moved out here, we worked for Apple for like eight years, mm -hmm. nine years, like the Apple store, mm -hmm. yeah. like eight years for me, nine years for her. Wow. Then I worked fun, at this fun. entertainment. Yeah. It was horrible. Like that <laughs> yeah. destroyed any sanity that we had. Like it yeah. was horrible. Yeah. Um, then I worked for this entertainment company, uh, mm -hmm. sued them 
when I worked for uh, that medical office literally during the height of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But now um, she stopped working at Apple to work at the job that we both work at now. I quit my medical job um, to work at the place that we work at work at now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, we basically do like IT. So there's oh, a cool. website that certain clients use. And if they have questions about the website, we help them. Like if they're mm-hmm. like, how do I do this on the website? And then we like email them or do live chat being like, this is how you do this on this website. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And we work from home. Oh, it's that's amazing. It's, that's amazing. Yeah. It, One aspect of my job, I do wedding videography for a lot and event videography, but cool. a big aspect of my job is uh, video editing, which I get to do at home. And this is my first ever work at home gig. And it's so nice. It's, it it, it <sighs> sort of sucks in some ways that I need. Sometimes I, I have to really, really motivate myself to work mm-hmm. at home because I don't have to. I don't have a set schedule. Um, and a lot of times whenever I, I, I work better with a set schedule, it's like, you need to be there at this time, go do it. Whereas if I'm at home, I'm like, I'll watch one more YouTube video and then I'll get to it. (laughs) And then one turns into 50, Uh, but anyway, okay, that's great. And, uh, you're balancing that with your screenwriting, uh, partnership. Well, that's the ongoing battle until any of (laughs) us can make this a, a paid gig. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, you, you do music, uh, are there any other hobbies outside of screenwriting that you like to do to help keep you sane? I know you mentioned (laughs) being nerds. I'm a nerd in many ways. So I have my nerdy hobbies. One of them being hockey. I do fantasy hockey. I'm a huge hockey nerd, but, um, but it's a cool thing. That's not, there's no narrative involved. Yeah. No narrative story. I can shut that part of my brain yes. off. And yeah, oh, that's why we like sports. <laughs> it might be, honestly. Like, wow, I talked yeah. to um Saeed Crumpler, who is uh quite accomplished. Uh now he just got like a three a three-year overall TV deal at Sony I know. Television. I, I, yeah. I read a draft of like a spec script like years ago from him. Like I'm so happy for him. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was my yeah. When he was on the pod, it was my first time meeting him. Such a cool guy, nice guy. But we talked about this. I think his uh, biggest sport is baseball that he's a fan of. I can't remember that for sure, but we talked about that. How we just get to shut our our story brain off and just watch just watch but, the athletes play. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still like dramatic, and it's still almost like a story. But yeah, yeah. Like there's storylines in the season yeah. and the team. But like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we obviously we love basketball. Miami uh-huh. Heat, they're the best team uh, in the NBA. <laughs> let's go. Um, <laughs> we yeah, love I, uh, I actually was rooting for them in like I think 2020 uh, oh, yeah, yeah. during like the lockdown. The yeah, yeah. Oh, I was man. I was rooting for them though. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just randomly picked the team, but like, it, I'm glad that lined up. Yay. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. love them. We were, yeah. we're from Miami, so like our mom always oh. watched the Heat, and yeah, then we we honestly yeah. really got super into them in 2020. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah, heartbreaker of a year. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we also love soccer, aka football. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Um, we played soccer for like 10 years when we were younger. Oh, wow. Um, she was on like a state team. So she oh, wow. was really, Gina was really good. I was just like the recreational, but I was <laughs> so good. Though. I was the best of the recreational, but I wasn't good <laughs> enough for the state team. Um, I feel like that in so many areas of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so we love like watching the premier league and like mm -hmm. yeah we love like the u.s women's national team mm -hmm. um yeah. what else oh i mean we love figure skating that's mm. super niche but we love figure skating like our our mom also also watched that all the time so we watch like michelle kwan and tara lipinski mm -hmm. um growing up and so yeah we love that we got back into figure skating because of of a figure skating anime that came mm -hmm. out i think in like 2017 mm -hmm. we were like oh yeah i love figure skating like this anime is amazing i want to watch figure skating uh again like real people um <laughs> that's awesome yeah. i love it i love a niche hobby and figure skating is it that's really cool uh i mean i i don't know much about it i did see i tanya okay but, <laughs> but yeah like I, I know some stuff about michelle kwan and stuff but yeah. not much but it is really fascinating to watch them yeah yeah um yeah we love going to comic book conventions like mm -hmm. we've gone to san diego comic-con every year since we moved to la like oh amazing and we're in the hall h marvel panel every single year because we, uh -huh. we have a whole group that camps out for two <laughs> days like comic-con is like our thing and we love we like cosplaying i'm not like yeah. the person that like creates my own like costumes but uh -huh. like but, you know, we buy the costumes and then we wear them, you know, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to fit in there. But exactly. I was going to say, does anyone ever recognize you from your song years ago? The Marvel thing? Hmm. Has that ever happened? I don't think so. No, We're, we also like hardly ever go out anywhere. <laughs> uh. <laughs> At Comic-Con, yeah, you'd think that like. I mean, Comic-Con's so hectic, though. Like, I everyone's, like, imagine. running around, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> bet it's insane. That's our excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, everyone's so busy, you know? <laughs> they would totally recognize us, but, you know, it's just hectic. Okay. Uh, cool. Love it. Love hearing that. Um, so, of the scripts you've written, which is your favorite and why? We've talked way too much about Starry Night, so I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, probably this new horror feature that we wrote. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've um, always loved horror. Yeah, our entire lives. Are you wearing a pearl shirt? Yes. yes. I, I, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved pearl. <laughs> um, I'm I'm also a massive horror fan, and whenever you were uh, talking about your new script, like I was just thinking about how much I love Scream. And oh, the way yeah. the mystery sure. unfolds wait, 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 wait. and like oh oh that is amazing okay lisa is showing me a ghost face tattoo right now oh it's two ghost faced making out is yes. that what that is okay <laughs> yeah, that's amazing too. yeah and then i have like pennywise like i oh, anyway that is um, awesome scream yeah. is like our bible it is yeah so good the script itself is so good yeah i Love i it. wish so badly that i could see that for the first time as an adult because i saw it when i was like 10 or 11 like wow. when it came out 
and I was obsessed with it. And like my mom would let me rent it like back to back at Blockbuster. <laughs> and then we just bought it because she didn't want to give in to buying me an R-rated movie. Right. And she was like, all right, fine. And like then I just started going crazy watching all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, all the Friday the 13th, all the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, uh, even the really, really bad ones in those series. <laughs> but uh, but they're special, you know, like they hold a special place in like the early days of horror. But um, but yeah, Scream, I wish I could go and see that for the first time now, because I know it would just blow my mind. Uh, like not even just that oh it's the big reveal of who are the killers mm -hmm. and if you haven't seen scream i won't spoil it i guess even though it's like 96 or 95 <laughs> uh, i won't spoil it because i feel like that's like just like you know uh you shouldn't do that with scream yeah. Yeah. but anyway uh it's like that whole third act at the house is just like it's... amazing and the whole movie's great but the third act of that movie is so incredible um i just I know I would leave the theater with that giddy feeling that you don't get all the time when yeah. you're just like, that was special. Um, it's like yeah. you care exactly. about the character so much. Mm -hmm. And like, again, I won't give it away either. But like, since yeah. the killers do have to deal with the main character in such a personal way, you're yeah. almost like rooting for everybody at the end. So it's like yeah. so good. Yeah, it's yeah. A, I think it's a perfect film. Like it I, is. it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's yep. incredible. Yep. Yeah. I uh, We won't get too, um, <laughs> we won't say too many bad things, but I have a little bit of a beef with the new one for apparently Ooh. like low, low, low balling uh, Nev Campbell, apparently. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. No, I just, man, as such a huge fan of the series and I get it that they're going to do what they do without her and the younger generations won't even care, you know, because right. this is their new version of Scream. But for those of us that grew up on the original ones, like, man, it just feels so shitty to me. Um, and I I don't know. I'm having a real struggle with how much I want to um, support it. But and just saying, I mean, you have a tattoo. You're a bigger fan than me. No, but no. just saying, uh, yeah, I'm just such a massive fan and it just feels wrong. It feels dirty. It's you like know, just, just give her the money. She's amazing. Whatever she wants. And how like, much money did she make you? Right. Your franchise. Like she has led every one of those movies, and everyone right. wants to see Sydney Prescott come, come back. And it's like, I'm sorry, but like that's the reason the new Scream film even made as much as it did. Right. Yeah. It was because mm -hmm. of her. And yeah. like, and I feel like she knew that. And that's why she was probably like, I'm not gonna do this for however much they're gonna like give me. Mm -hmm. Like just yeah. give yeah. Uh, okay. And they got super lucky that Jenna Ortega was Wednesday because I feel like maybe that's gonna be the draw now, like for the new <laughs> one that's gonna come out in March. Yeah. But I'm still so mad. And then yeah. it's and like the script, like she had a bigger role in this new yeah. one, and then they had to like somehow figure out it without her. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that detail. Yep. That sucks. Yep. And you know the thing that stings the most probably is I just don't think there's any way that this would ever have happened if Wes Craven was behind it. Yeah. Like he would not have let that happen. Yeah. I really don't think so. I think he would have fought for it because like there's just classic stories about how close they were. And yeah. um, I just don't think so that right. would have happened. So RIP so Wes right. Craven. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I feel like I brought the mood down. I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, but I love talking to some big Scream fans uh, and just big horror fans.
Um, yeah. Okay, so what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of, screenwriting related or whatever in life? Yeah, um, a few. I don't even. God, I don't know what time is. I don't know when <laughs> things happen. When did this uh, happen? Like last? No, last month. This month. Sometime. <laughs> I'll just say this month. Um, I won this grant that this amazing trans screenwriter was was doing. She, mm-hmm. I mean, they basically did it just themselves. Mm-hmm. It was basically them being like, hey, I understand that like not all screenwriters have like the same like privilege that I have. So I wanna give a grant to a trans or gender non-conforming person. Um, so if you're a screenwriter like that, if you're trans, send me like your script and then I'll pick, you know, whatever, whatever. So at first it was just going to be, I think like a thousand dollars, which is amazing. But then the, some like anonymous donors, like gave this person like a bunch of money. So then it was like, they were like, okay, I'm going to give this grant to three screenwriters. And it was going to be like 2000, like 500 for each of the screenwriters. So anyway, um, we submitted and yeah, I won, like, I let, I let them know, like, I have like a twin sister, we write together, but I just submitted for myself, because I am non-binary. So yeah, so I won one of those grants, which was amazing, because I literally used that money to buy Gina and myself a desk, like Mm -hmm. we had literally just been like, (laughs) writing on like the couch or like the kitchen, like we did not have writing stations at all, which is Mm -hmm. terrible, because we also work from home and we just didn't have like <laughs> yeah. a desk. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I got me and Gina desks, um, like expensive desks and like really yeah. good like chairs and stuff. Just basically oh, use that to like yeah, treadmill, a treadmill. Oh That's nice, kind of see behind there. Yeah, like oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a treadmill back there, folks. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing though. That's super cool uh to yes. be able to it's always great to have the money to make big purchases on like quality of life things. Like that yes. just makes such a difference in your everyday life. Uh yes. which a nice writing space for a writer is one. <laughs> yes. Uh for yes. sure. Uh okay, cool. Well that congratulations. That's that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh okay, so we have reached the end. And the final question is Lisa Gina. What are a few words of advice that you would give to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially those just getting started? Oh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) try to block out all the noise. It's kind of hard to see all these people getting screenwriting success and you're not, Mm -hmm. but just know that you are a student that is learning And even if you submit to 10 contests and you don't place in any of them, that's totally fine. Um, You will at some point. And even if you don't, that's totally fine. Um, Yeah. Just love the process. Fall in love with the process of not only learning how to screenwrite, but screenwriting itself. Because if you could do that, you're going to persevere through all of the (laughs) difficult things Mm -hmm. that the screenwriting journey will inevitably throw your way. <laughs> That's probably what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it Do will. Yes. Yeah. I definitely agree with all of that, but also <laughs> like have fun, 
it, yeah. it's hard to remember that because like you know you want to be technical you want to outline like we've talked about you want it to be good but have fun because readers can tell mm-hmm. on the page if you're not having fun it's the most obvious thing i mean the read gets boring it's mm-hmm. not fun so even if you're if you're writing the saddest thing of all time or the scariest thing it should still always be fun mm-hmm. yeah yeah, definitely agree 100%. That's amazing. All right. Well, Lisa and Gina Gomez, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I think that was an amazing episode. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear it. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, y'all. Episode 27 is in the books. I want to thank Gina and Lisa Gomez for coming on the show. That was a very fun conversation. Um, really crazy backstory, right? I told you at the beginning, it was going to be nuts. They have a wild backstory. Um, and I'm so glad that they didn't let that deter them from continuing towards this dream. They, they took a little detour, but now they're back and they're chasing the dream and we love to see it. Um, so go follow them at Lisa Gemini and at Gina Gemini on Twitter. You might already follow them, but if you don't go do it now, um, they're the best. Want to remind you guys to CAPTCHA, I talked about it for way too long at the beginning of the episode. Uh, you can watch that on YouTube or Vimeo. Ethan and Edna's out too. You can watch that if you want to. Um, and rate it, say something nice. Guys, it, also this episode, you know, if you want to rate it, say something nice about it um, on Twitter or Instagram, you can tag us at socialwriterpod. Um, if you want to donate to the show, I'd really appreciate that. Um, these things take a little bit of time to, you know, record and plan and edit and all that stuff and put it out. So if you wanted to, I would not say no, if you want to buy me a coffee or something, (laughs) but, uh, uh, that's it guys. You know, I really hope that everyone we're in March now. Isn't that insane? I can't believe that. Um, so we're three months into 2023. I hope that you are at least like getting started on your 2023 long-term goal, or maybe you're making great progress. I really hope you are. I know I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not doing bad. We could always be doing more, but also, you know, we should probably always be making a little more time for rest. So, um, unless you're super lazy, then you should work harder. Uh, but we're not going to be, I don't know who, who's a toxic mindset, work mindset guy. I don't know any one of those grind set guys on Instagram. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to be the guy who says, you know, Write if you feel like it. Make a short film if you feel like it. Um, you know, if you're if you're working at a high level, you know, sign that three picture deal with you know Sony if you want to. And if you don't, then tell them I'll do it. Uh, that's it, guys. I hope that you're all doing well out there. Uh, next week, I already have an episode recorded, and I'm gonna drop it next week. Uh, it's a really really special one. I'm very very excited. You'll hear more about it soon. But um, for now, that's it. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Pod.